the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. And welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Flow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultancy Incorporated. We're securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultancy is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. <clears throat> the days keep flying by this summer. Here we are almost at the end of August. Two weeks left before Labor Day. Vacations are wrapping up. The kids are back from the trips to camp or to grandma's house. Now, everyone is getting ready for school. They're already in school, depending upon where you're at. In the coming weeks, I'm going to have to find the time to visit the Lorraine County Fair. It'll be held in in the Lorraine County Fairgrounds, which are just a little west of uh, Wellington, on Route 58. It opens Sunday morning, and it'll be open till the following Sunday. The end of the fair is a milestone in my calendar for the end of summer. And in my mind, when the fair is over, we're into the fall. That's not true, but <laughs> not true according to the calendar. I think uh, sometimes in September that fall starts. But in my mind, hey, the fair is over, we're into the fall. This is one of those old-fashioned fairs where the kids in the 4-H program, they still have a large presence. Uh, they probably have over a dozen barns for the uh, 4-H animals, the horses and the steers, the cows and the 
hogs and the sheep and the and everything, the chickens and turkeys and just ducks and everything you can imagine is in there. And the kids are in there with them. And when you walk through the barn, the kids are everywhere. They're either they're either sleeping on the on the uh, hay, the bales of hay, or they're washing or combing their livestock in preparation for showing the animals. And that's where the kids put the animals through their paces and show them how they handle them in front of the a crowd, and then they've got judges there, and they judge them how well they did. And of course, the the parents and the grandparents are sitting on the on the kind of these bleachers that they put inside the barns, and they're all rooting for their little guys and girls, and and uh, cheering them on. They don't. <laughs> They're kind of praying that nothing happens. Of course, the fair also has its midway and its junk food, just like any other fair. They also have the stage shows at uh, sundown on uh, Monday and Tuesday. And the other the other evenings, they've got their tractor pulls and their demolition derbies and stuff like that. Uh, but the most the, the best part for me is the 4-H kids and the, their animals. You know, walking through the barn brings back old memories. Tammy and I were 4-H advisors when our kids were growing up. We had a horse club when we were in Columbia Station and later a small animal uh, club, the Huntington Barnyard Boosters, when we settled in Wellington. It was a great program then for teaching and, and teaching kids responsibilities and initiative. And the 4-H is still a great program for the kids. It gives them a <clears throat> something that they learn responsibility for in judging them. You know, when they get judged, uh, uh, <laughs> they take the judging seriously, And but the parents are there just to, just to say, okay, this is part of the life, is uh, doing something and standing up in front of uh, people and being judged for it. And, and there's a lot of fun walking through the barns and talking to people who were in our 4-H club years ago. They're parents now with kids of their own in the 4-H. Some are even grandparents. Now that the, the summer vacations are over, or almost over, um, we can pay attention to what's going on in the world and basically how that's affecting our financial goals and plans. This week, global equities were mostly down in the United States. The three major stock indices were down for the week, while in the UK, the FTSE 100 was up, but in the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX was down, as well as the uh, uh, stock Europe 600. They were both down for the week. And in Asia, Japan's Nikkei was up, while Hong Kong, Hang Seng, and China's Shanghai Composite were both down for the week. So Asia was mixed. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed at, uh, the Dow Jones closed at 33,706.74. So it was down, uh, you know, 0.16% for the week, just a little bit down for the week. The Standard & Poor closed at 4,228.48, and it was down 1.21%. Uh, the week and the NASDAQ closed at uh, 12,705.22 and uh, 
That was down 2.62% for the week. So this week, the Standard & Poor ended its, uh, Standard & Poor 500 ended its four-week winning streak. <clears throat> Even while there was good news over the past three weeks in terms of, well, the CPI report, the Consumer uh, Price Index report in July, that showed that year-over-year inflation rate, you know, edging down uh, to 8.5% over the past 12 months from the uh, 9.1% inflation rate in June. That was good news. And, of course, the latest payroll report uh, uh, that we saw a couple weeks ago, that showed that the payrolls increased by 528,000 uh, jobs in July. That was set. That beat expectations by over 100%. They were expecting somewhere around 250, and it came in at 528. So there was good news, and but uh, there's always a but. Uh, investors were still concerned about the Federal Reserve plan to continue raising the federal funds rate or, or the overnight rate. Same thing. <clears throat> so far, the, the Federal Reserve has basically front-loaded the uh, rate increases with uh, three-quarter percent rate increases at the last two meetings. So on Friday, uh, you know, the uh, minutes uh, of the uh, last week's uh, uh, on Friday, 826, uh, 2022, I'm sorry, next week, Friday of next week, Investors will get a preview of the Federal Reserve's next move. You know, next week uh, on Friday, the chairman of the Federal Reserve will give his annual presentation at the Jackson Hole uh, Federal Reserve Symposium. And most investors uh, probably already know what the message will be, but they're always looking for hints as to what's coming up. The Federal Reserve will probably continue to raise the federal funds rate until they are convinced that inflation is headed towards their uh, 2% target. And the question is how much the Federal Reserve will raise the federal funds rate at the next uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting in September 20th and 21st. So uh, next Friday, we'll get a preview. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get a preview. We might just gloss over it and and keep the uh, uh, keep his hints to himself, but we'll certainly see the results uh, next September, September twentieth and twenty first. That'll be the the next Federal Open Market Committee meeting. The minutes from the Federal Reserve's uh, uh, committee meeting in July they were re- released on Wednesday, and they said inflation is still too high, and made clear that the central bank will continue to raise the rates. And the Federal Reserve has raised the uh, rates twice this year by three-quarters of a percent, uh, triple the usual uh, rate increase. And the economic forecasters expect a rate increase at the next, at the September uh, uh, meeting. Uh, the bets are, is it going to be three-quarters or a half? They uh, seem to be consolidating around it half a percent increase, but you don't know until there's, there's uh, many a slip between the cup and the lip, so you'll have to wait until uh, they actually have the meeting. But 
whether it's a three-quarters of a percent or a smaller one, uh, will probably be determined by whether the Federal Reserve is influenced more by the historically strong labor market or by an economy that's uh, contracted for the last two quarters in a row, uh, the first quarter and the second quarter. The publication of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting in July, the minutes, provided a picture of the discussions, but nothing definitive about uh, anything about September's uh, uh, meeting. Uh, some, <clears throat> you know, for example, according to the minutes, the Federal Reserve officials uh, agreed at their monetary policy meeting last month that they needed to keep raising interest rates enough to lower inflation, but signaled that uh, greater caution with regard to the pace of the coming increases. The central bank raised the rates this year at the fastest pace since the 1980s. And the the, uh, minutes showed that officials were sensitive to to two basically opposing risks as they they weighed how and and when to slow these increases. The first concern is that which the minutes described as significant is that they might need to raise the rates more than currently anticipated if price pressures have spread more broadly through the economy. But officials for the first time acknowledge that they might uh, they may be uh, raising the borrowing costs more than needed and that's it's causing uh, unwarranted economic weakening because the delay between the uh, when the borrowing costs go up and when that's reflected in the economic activity. So in in anything the Federal Reserve does, there's a long uh, delay between uh, when they do it and when the the uh, effects appear in the economy. I mean, long delay, you're talking in some cases six months. Another concern, according to the minutes, is that, quote, participants judge that as the stance of monetary policy tightened further, it likely uh, would become appropriate at some point <clears throat> to slow down the pace of uh, policy rate increases while assessing the effects of the cumulative uh, policy adjustments on economic activity and inflation. So uh, they did indicate that, hey, there might be a time to pause here, but the question is how high up will they go before they before they uh, pause? Uh, the minutes show that while officials discussed the potential slowdown in rate increases, some uh, members pushed back against the prospects of lowering rates in the short run. Some believe that once the federal funds rate had, quote, reached a significant restrictive level, it likely would be appropriate to maintain that level for some time to ensure that inflation was firmly on a path back to 2%, unquote. So, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the minutes presented all these options, and uh, all you knew from uh, from reading the minutes is basically, hey, they're going to raise the rates and continue raising the rates. Uh, officials saw a, quote, a significant risk that elevated inflation could become entrenched if the public began to question the Fed's resolve. 
to raise rates high enough to slow down inflation. So uh, while the Federal Reserve said it would wait for evidence inflation is decelerating towards its 2% goal before halting rate increases, investors often, basically they try to anticipate such shifts before they occur. And that could be one of the reasons why we saw this uh, rally for the last three weeks or four weeks uh, in the days uh, since last month's meeting on the towards the end of July. The federal officials, had, uh, federal reserve officials, have been pouring cold water on investors' hope that the central bank might turn from raising rates to cutting them within the next year. So, uh, economists outside the Fed. According to the Wall Street Journal article, economists outside the Fed are increasingly split over how aggressively the central banks continue lifting rates. One camp says that uh, even if inflation falls over the next 12 months, it's very likely to settle out at uh, uh, 4% or higher, a level of inflation that uh, most federal policymakers would deem unacceptable uh, because that would be way above the 2% target. Uh, Some of these economists fear that the Fed isn't being straightforward about how high interest rates will need to go. If you remember the the last meeting of the Federal Reserve, they talked about this neutral point and implied that we're close to the neutral point. Well, there's a big disagreement on where we're at. In some cases, uh, is that close to uh, 3% or is that close to 5%? So we'll see what happens. Right, right now, the Federal Reserve rate, uh, uh, Fed funds rate is at uh, high. The high point is 2.5%. And by the end of this year, it's expected to be uh, maybe 35 3.5%. A related worry is uh, is that the Fed, by suggesting that it is close to the end of its rate rises, that at the beginning will repeat the so-called stop-go policies of the 70s, uh, 1970s. That's when the central bank oscillated between raising rates to take on inflation and then backing off to shore up the growth. And basically, the the uh, 1970s showed that uh, uh, neither it didn't succeed either way. That, that was called the board that burns blunder. Uh, in uh, in uh, 1973, I think it was 1973, inflation was picking up, and uh, the head of the Federal Reserve at that point was Arthur Burns, and. Uh, uh, he instituted the usual thing about, well, we're going to have to increase the rates to cut off the inflation. But uh, in increasing the rates, he, he got a recession going. And uh, so he got the recession going, and then he backed off his rate increases and began to lower the rate increases. And that basically set the uh, stage for uh, the rest of the uh, 1970s. And it finally ended up in the towards the end of the of the seventies, where inflation got up to sixty sixteen percent. So, uh, to me, uh, that's Burns's blunder is one of the things that I'm sure the Federal Reserve remembers 
And one of the things that they'll probably uh, require, it'll be in their minds if they begin to relax the rates in any way. They'll keep rising, raising them up. Another, another camp of economists warned that the Fed embarrassed the uh, by waiting too long to pull back its support of an economy that didn't need it in 2021 is now compounding error by tightening too much. So these economists believe that rather than <clears throat> rather than reflect on an overheated labor market, the current surge in inflation stems from global developments that are harder to address through interest rate policies. So. You've got economists that have credible economists that have different opinions one way or the other. So uh, what you're going to see is that they'll continue to raise their rates. Uh, how long will they continue to raise them? That's the, that's the big central issue here. Uh, right now, the economy is, is solid, but there are cracks that are appearing because of these rate increases. Uh, the, the economy is solid because the companies are making money. The labor market, anybody can find a job that wants a job. Uh, companies, are, big companies are making money. Uh, the earnings are there. Uh, but the, the fly in the ointment is inflation is at that 8.5%. <clears throat> And the Federal Reserve is uh, on this crusade now uh, to raise the interest rates to conquer inflation. So how high will they raise it? And uh, uh, they're going to raise it uh, depending upon what they see in each meeting. And the question in the investor's mind is, uh, will they raise it too high and cause a recession? some people, like um, uh, one uh, Bullard from um, I say St. Louis, the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, he figures, hey, give it another three-quarters of a percent increase, raise the rates up to the four, four-and-a-half percent. Uh, uh, he's not afraid of, uh, of the uh, going into the recession. Uh, there's other people that are more resident more reluctant to jump into a recession. So the question is, the, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to raise the rates. How high are they going to raise it? How much pain is it going to be? Uh, are they going to push us into a recession? Or will they blink? You know, maybe if uh, right now, uh, the only things that are really feeling the impact of the uh, increase in rates or home construction, and uh, home sales. And that's predominantly because of the increase in the uh, yeah, the interest rates. You know, the 30-year interest rates have gone from, uh, mortgage rates have gone from 3% to, uh, I think they're 5.45%, plus, um, plus about a half a percent point. Uh, uh, they used to be uh, rose as high as 5.8%. So, you know, the interest rates, the the, uh, 30-year mortgage rates have gone from three to basically five and a half. That is the increase in the interest rates plus the 
increase in the home prices is making uh, uh, new homes and existing homes uh, is pushing their affordability. So uh, how much money have you got? How much uh, monthly payment can you handle? So uh, the question is, will the Federal Reserve blink? And uh, or will they push us into a recession? Or what happens if we do go into a recession? There's a <clears throat> the uh, uh, who is it? The uh, conference board they put out a uh, leading indicators uh, that indicate that probably there'll be a recession in the next uh, couple quarters, uh, but we'll see. So. Uh, Later on in the show, we'll discuss a couple of areas in the economy that are basically feeling the pain from the Federal Reserve interest rates. Uh, the, uh, the new home construction area, what's happening there, existing home sales. And we'll also talk about uh, industrial production. Industrial production is another case of good news, bad news, in a sense that the July numbers indicate that uh, things look good where industrial production, manufacturing, uh, mining, all these things are increasing. But then there's uh, other data that shows that uh, the latest numbers for August, the orders for manufacturing were going down. And uh, <clears throat> it presents a confusing picture about uh, July, the orders were up. August, the orders are down. Uh, they're working through the backlog of orders right now. In some cases, the shipments are down. So we'll talk about all that stuff later in the show. But one of the things that all of this affects your investments, uh, the, uh, the most important part about the whole thing is uh, how does the investments how do that? How do those fit into your financial plan in terms of meeting your goals, like retirement, uh, education of the kids, uh, standard of living for the family, all those things that are important. Uh, uh, you're fighting inflation. You're looking at uh, uh, raising a family. I just saw some numbers the other day, where uh, they, I forget who published it, but it. Uh, uh, it costs three hundred thousand dollars to raise a kid uh, to age eighteen. That's not including college. That's just, that's just to raise them from being born to uh, eighteen for three hundred uh, three hundred thousand dollars per child. So uh, to me, there's a lot of uh, burdens. There's a lot of responsibilities on the families in the, in the United States today. Because they have the important goals, the good goals, and they're working hard to to meet those goals. And you got to not only work hard, but you got to work smart in terms of saying, "Okay, uh, when am I, when do I need this money? How much money will I need when the time comes? Uh, how am I going to take my resources that are coming in the door? Maybe you're." Uh, maybe you have two paychecks, maybe you have one paycheck in the family. Uh, how do you apportion this to the keeping up the standards of living, the savings, the um, uh, the investments, and uh, how do you stay on top of all these things to make sure that 
these things are, you know, growing uh, the way that is necessary in order to get to your get to your goals. And that's one of the things that we specialize in. And even though you might take a look at your financial plan and say it wasn't brand new to me, it's not brand new to us. We've been doing this for thirty years. So. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. We have a toll-free number where you can call us at the show here, and you can call us about basically anything you want to. Uh, the toll-free number is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. That number again is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after words from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. You study him. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Remember those old school days. <laughs> this is Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's 1 888 1110. You know, one of the things we talked about the uh, the first sector of the economy that's feeling the, uh, the impact of the increase in rates is uh, new home construction. And uh, new home construction, you know, several months ago really uh, reached its, uh, its structural limits, you know, in terms of uh, it's been ever since, <clears throat> ever since the COVID recession hit in February of 2020. Uh, home construction was one of the first things out of the out of the gate, and uh, you know, with that three uh, percent thirty year mortgage, had really picked them up and got them going. And uh, uh, probably about uh, I don't know six months ago, they they basically uh, they ran into uh, headwinds in terms of we can't find the workers, uh, building lots are scarce. Uh, the uh, yeah. running into uh, uh, the supply chain problems in terms of getting houses finished and things of this nature, and now they're uh, being burdened with this increase in the uh, interest rates. So, uh, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development they keep track of new construction, and they're they put up a monthly report. That's called monthly new residential construction reports. And as for July, it reveals that home construction in July uh, starts down uh, 
9.6% in July from June, and uh, they were down uh, 8.1% uh, from a year ago. So uh, what you're seeing is, is if you take a look at the big picture, <clears throat> and I mean when I say the big picture, I'm talking single-family home, multi, multi-family homes, things of this nature, you see that the uh, permits uh, for uh, July, they're down 1.3%. The starts for July for June are down 9.6%, but the completions are up 1.1%. And then if you take a look at this July versus uh, last July in 2021, you see that the permits are up 1.1%, which is close to zero, you know. Uh, But the starts are down 8.1%, and the uh, completions are up 3.5%. Again, look into the details of the report, what you see is there's been a shift from single-family homes to multifamily homes. And I think the shift is basically due to the affordability problems. Um, the interest rates are going up, the home prices are going up. Uh, I think it probably your monthly payments have doubled, you know, since 2020. Uh, if we compare uh, uh, single-family homes, permits are down uh, 4.3% in July for June. Starts are down 10.1%. Completions are down eight tenths of a percent. You talk about multifamily, and multifamily is these permits are up two and a half percent. And if you compare this to July now to July a year ago, uh, what you see is the permits in this July versus a year ago. Permits for single family homes are down eleven point seven. Starts are down eighteen point five. And uh, for multifamily, the permits are up 26.29%, and the starts are up 17.4%. So that gives you a picture of where the industry is going. And, uh, um, you know, if you compare uh, the year-to-date, 2022 to 2021, to see the permits for single-family homes are down close to 6%. The starts for single-families are down close to 2%. Multi-families permits are up 18.4%. Starts are up 18%. So uh, basically it's being driven by a whole combination of things. Like I mentioned before, uh, the the structural uh, issues in the building trades not enough workers, uh, supply chains, prices going up and down uh, for lumber and for parts, having difficulty uh, finishing the houses uh, because of the supply chain problems. Uh, now with inflation uh, going up, the, the house prices going up, you have an affordability issues too. So uh, basically, uh, it shows that the the housing industry is slowing down. That's home construction is slowing down, and uh, uh, particularly in the single family homes. And 
uh, you're going to see that continue uh, basically until uh, uh, until we get through this um, these rate increases. I, you know, I don't know where they, <clears throat> the three the three percent thirty year mortgage rate is gone. Uh, it'll probably end up at six percent, you know, early next year sometime. And uh, uh, but this whole operation of raising the interest rates will probably only go on for, uh, I would suspect, maybe about another year. Uh, what we're seeing in inflation, inflation is now eight and a half percent. The consensus is that they'll get it down to maybe five percent by the end of the year, and then maybe to three uh, percent by the uh, by the middle of next year, if they keep up their increases in their interest rates. Uh, <clears throat> once they get inflation down to three percent, I think they'll. The idea is that they'll all declare victory and go home. Uh, you know, the 3% inflation rate is a 50-year uh, number, and this 2% that they're, they're talking about, uh, that really only became popular after 2008, after the banking crisis or the housing crisis in 2008. So... Uh, this thing, the increase in rates is not going to last forever. And I think once they conquer, the Federal Reserve conquers inflation, then we'll be uh, down to the point where we say, okay, now the Federal Reserve is going to turn around and and stop being our enemy and become our friend again. So um, right now, the, the higher interest rates are uh, impacting home construction, as well as existing home sales. As far as existing home sales, what you're seeing there is that, according to the National Association of Realtors, uh, if you existing home sales, if you include single-family, townhouses, condominiums, and co-ops, they slipped uh, 5.9% in July from June. And uh, a year-over-year sales are sales are down 20.2% from uh, basically July, this July to July a year ago. The chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, Lawrence Young, said, quote, uh, the ongoing sales decline reflects the impact of the mortgage rate peak of uh, 6% in early June. Home sales may soon stabilize since mortgage rates have fallen to near 5%. At this, at this quote, I, I don't see 5%, but that's all right. Thereby giving an additional boost of purchasing power to homeowners, to home buyers, unquote. Uh, and if you take a look at the report from the National Association of Realtors, there's good news in the uh, number of homes for sale, the housing inventory, uh, that has increased. Uh, uh, 4.8% from June, and uh, the unsold uh, inventory presently sits at a 3.3-month supply at the current sales price, and basically that's up from uh, 2.6, 2.5 months a year ago. So there's more houses for sale, and, uh, and basically home prices have continued to increase. The median 
existing home price for all housing types in July was $403,800, and that's up 10.8% from July of uh, 2021. At that point, a year ago, the median price was $364,600. So uh, those are national numbers. You know, we Next week, we'll get into the Case-Shiller home price index. And, and basically, I think that'll show more like the Cleveland area and the suburbs. The metropolitan Cleveland area is probably more into the 14, 13, or 14% increase over the year. Uh, home sales are down, but the home prices are still going up. Uh, according to Lawrence Young, quote, we're witnessing a housing recession in terms of declining home sales and home building, but it's not a recession in terms of home prices. So in his words, uh, inventory remains tight and prices continue to rise nationally with nearly 40% of the homes still commanding the full list price. In other words, there are already big discounts out there and uh, homes continue to move fast. Uh, properties typically remain on the market for uh, 14 days in July, and uh, 82% of the homes that were sold in July were on the market for basically less than a month. So, uh, and you, you, you're finding that the first-time home buyers are still in the market. You know, they they uh, 29% of the sales in July were the home first-time home buyers, and uh, what you're seeing is uh, uh, sales uh, sales have slowed down, and with the increase in the mortgage rates, and uh, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, the average contract interest for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage for conforming paper uh, with a balance of uh, less than six hundred and forty-seven thousand two hundred uh, was. Uh, 5.45% with uh, points of uh, uh, basically six-tenths of a percent. And that's for an 80% loan-to-value loan. So different sections of the country are seeing different things in the the National Association of Realtors. They look at four sections of the country, the the, uh, Northeast, the Midwest, the South, and the West. And uh, <clears throat> what they're seeing is that uh, single-family homes uh, sales declined in July, and they're down 5.5% from June and down 19.19% from one year ago. So uh, that's a big that's a big drop, 19%. The median existing single-family home. Was four hundred and ten thousand six hundred in, in July, and that was up ten point six percent. So, uh, if you're talking about condominiums and co-ops, then the sales are down nine nine percent in June and almost thirty uh, percent from a year ago. And the median price there is three hundred and forty-five thousand, and that price has increased almost ten percent over the last year. And if you look at sales in the Midwest, which is where we're at, uh, existing home sales declined 3%, 3.3% uh, over the past month, over, well, over July. 
and they've dropped to 14.4% from July of 2021. And the median price in the Midwest was $293,300, and that was up 7% in the previous year. So, you know, the housing market in the Cleveland metropolitan area is really good in the sense that uh, the home prices are fair and, uh, you know, and it's a, basically a good place to live in terms of, uh, you know, home prices as well as living costs. And, uh, and we're also 500 feet above sea level, so we're next to the biggest uh, freshwater source in the world. So it's a great place to live. And if you take a look at different areas in the country, uh, generally, the worst one is is the the west. Uh, in in the western section of the country, the median house prices are six hundred and fourteen thousand nine hundred dollars, uh, and the home sales last month were down nine point four percent, and were down thirty point four percent from a year ago. So, but their house prices. Increased eight percent, eight point one percent. So, uh, to me, uh, the uh, the uh, prices are prices are still going up. Sales are going down. Uh, sooner or later, maybe by the end of the year, uh, the home price increases. Maybe maybe a little bit later, the home prices increases should plateau out. And they should be start to go down. They won't go down like they did in 2008, but uh, they, they will be increasing like they are now. Uh, with regard to the 30% drop in year-over-year sales in the West, Lauren Shun said, quote, the action is in the pricey West region, which experienced the sharpest sales decline combined with a sizable inventory increase. It's likely some Western markets will see price declines, and that will become welcome news for buyers who watched uh, rapid price jumps over the last two years. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, give us a call. We have that toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after work. No, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. is one 888 You know, obviously the increases in the interest rates are hitting the home, uh, home sales, existing home sales, as well as new home construction. In the, in the case of the rest of the economy, if you take a look at the industrial 
the uh, manufacturing and mining and stuff like that, uh, the, the information that's coming out is kind of ambiguous in the sense that, take a look at July, the uh, Federal Reserve puts out their uh, industrial production and capacity utilization report. And for July, it shows that uh, 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 capacity uh, it shows that uh, production increased six tenths of a percent in July from June, and uh, in June industrial production was flat. And in addition, capacity utilization in July increased to eighty point three percent from 79.9% in June. So uh, that basically reflects a modest increase in manufacturing and uh, ongoing strength in mining and more and more moderation in uh, utilities, and, uh, uh, and which is, you know, industrial production in the United States is above where it was uh, prior to the uh, COVID, uh, prior to uh, February of 2020. So that's good news. Uh, if we take a look at what constitutes industrial production in the minds of the Federal Reserve, the biggest component is manufacturing. That's 75% of their category. Binding is 14%, and utilities are about 12%. So, uh, Overseeing is in uh, July, manufacturing increased seven tenths of a percent and it is up 3.2 percent from a year ago. And if we break out durable goods manufacturing as opposed to non durable goods, durable goods are things that last for three years and, and they're things like uh, motor vehicles and, and uh, aircraft and machinery and stuff like that. And what you'll see is the durable good uh, manufacturing increased 1.3% in July from June, and it was up 4.4% from a year ago. And that was led by uh, motor vehicles and parts, which increased in July 6.6% and uh, were up 13.3% from a year ago. Uh, non durable goods are things like uh, Food manufacturing and and chemicals and oil and oil refining and things of this nature, and that increased one tenth of a percent for July, and it was up one point nine percent from a year ago. So, the ones that led the the categories were apparel, was up one point six percent for the month and six point two percent year over year. Plastics were up one point three percent for the month and 6.1% year-over-year. Chemicals were up uh, half a percent for the month and 2% for the year. And uh, mining, mining was up seven-tenths of a percent. And mining includes oil and gas exploration, too. And uh, mining has up, been up 7.9% for the year. And the utilities were down a little bit. They were down eight-tenths of a percent. And... Uh, so if you take a look at the report, the report's a good report in the sense that it goes into all the, the details of the different uh, uh, categories. And 
but if you then take a look at, and it's a, what they call a quantitative report in the sense that it goes down into the details and, and gives you the percentages and all those things. But then if you take a look at the Empire State Manufacturing Index, and that's more of a, uh, that's more of a qualitative uh, assessment. And that's why they, they take their call managers in, the, in different uh, industries in the New York State manufacturing area, and they ask them how things look this month versus last month. And suddenly you find out that the numbers have really gone down. In other words, basically, the Empire State Manufacturing Survey for August uh, went from 11.1 in July to 31, negative 31.3. And it basically showed that the new orders were down, uh, shipments were down. In other words, you, you ask a uh, you ask a manager how did how did this month compare to last month? Was it the better, the worst, or the better, the same, or worse? What you suddenly find out is that hey, uh, August suddenly shows a big drop in the new orders uh, for uh, uh, manufacturing. Shipments are down. Backlogs are going down. Uh, a number of employees are going have gone down a little bit, but they're still hiring more employees. The companies, the big thing when you look at companies is the new orders. If the new orders are going down, then the only way that you're going to uh, what you're going to see is new orders can go down. Then sooner or later, the shipments will go down, and uh, in between, the backlogs will go down. So all of these things paint a pretty very changed picture from July to August. And uh, I don't know whether it's something strange about the, the survey, that particular survey, the one for uh, Philadelphia, which has uh, the manufacturing on the eastern seaboard, uh, that's not as bad. That went from, uh, that, that, went, that, that went up, but still what I'm seeing there is that the orders are going down, even though the shipments are still up, and even though the backlogs are in constant. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. I was browsing through the internet and I saw a quote, and it was a quote attributed to Audrey Hepburn. It went like this. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. There should be no limits to our dreams and goals. Remember, we can achieve anything we can imagine because we're special. And being special, there are things to remember and one thing to never forget. 
always remember your presence is a present to the world, that you are unique and one of a kind, that your life can be what you want it to be. If you take the days just one at a time, you need to remember to count your blessings, not your troubles, and trust that you'll make it through whatever comes along. Remember that within you there are so many answers. You just need to understand, to have the courage, and to be strong. Always remember not to put limits on yourself. So many dreams are waiting to be realized. Remember that decisions are too important to leave to chance. You need to reach for your people, your goal, your pride. Always remember nothing wastes more energy than worrying, and the longer that one carries a problem, the heavier it gets. And remember, don't take things too seriously. You need to live a life of serenity, not a life of regrets. Always remember that a little love goes a long way, and remember a lot goes forever. Remember that friendship is a wise investment, and life's treasures are its people. Always remember that it's never too late, and try to do ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Enjoy your health, your hope, your happiness. Remember, you need to take the time to wish upon a star. And don't ever forget, even for a day, how special you are. So, be all that you can be, and do not go to your grave with your music still inside you. Do things. Get things done. So, until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.